0: Coming up on the Dr. John Deloney Show.
1: About two months after we got engaged, my parents told me they were taking back the blessing and rattled off an extensive list of red flags that they saw in my fiance and our relationship. They didn't really like his career choice. He's a magician and a juggler, but he works in ministry.
0: What is going on? This is John with the Dr. John Deloney Show show about your mental health your emotional health your husband your wife whoever you're dating whatever's going on in your world Your kids i'm here to walk alongside you shows made up of real people going through real challenging moments and quite honestly all of us it's a it's a it's just a like a dark cloud hanging over all of us right now as we record this and um lots of ugliness out in the world and um so if nothing else My hope with this show is just modeling what it looks like to sit down and say, I hear you. Um, Pull up a seat and let's figure out what we can do next. Because I know this. I know running away from problems does not help. I know yelling at each other doesn't help. And I know um, a bunch of pseudo so-called experts just launching Instagram posts at each other doesn't help either. What we have to do is sit with real people and say, I hear you. Or can I ask this question? Or, hey, man, what do you think about this? Because what we're doing is not working. so thank you so much for joining us if you're ready to live some sort of different life don't forget to pick up building a non anxious life my new book it is out number one bestseller wall street journal um i'm really proud of this one and go pick it up it uh and don't forget the questions for humans will save your holidays go to john all right let's roll out to georgia and talk to the great and wonderful matt what's up matt hey john dr
2: john how are you i'm partying man what about you i'm living the dream i guess
0: <laughs> man i i, I want to wake up from my dream
2: sometimes what's up yeah man? yeah yeah exactly so um the question i have is the current situation between my wife and i um isn't great um i'm actually about to move out into an apartment okay um what happened what happened so to give you some backstory, I went through a period of time where I drank too much on the weekends, basically Friday night, Saturday, Sunday. Um, What's a period of the time? Point, I would say probably a year and a half, two years. Just
0: kind of out of so, the blue?
2: Um, I would say it ramped up after I've got two daughters, five and three, and I would say it ramped up after my second daughter was born.
0: Okay, cool.
2: Um, so it was something my wife had confronted me about. Um, on more than one occasion. And it came to a head on Memorial Day. Um, My oldest daughter, the five-year-old, came out on the deck where I was to ask me a question and actually ended up falling through a weak part in the railing about 12 feet and landed on concrete below that. You fell fell or she fell? She fell. My daughter fell. Okay. So... Um, rushed to the emergency room. Um, they did x rays and all that, found a small fracture in her jaw. A few days later we took her to a specialist. He said it was the best case scenario. She'd be good to go in like three weeks to a month. No surgeries needed. Just don't let her eat hard candy, basically, and stuff. Yeah. Um man, I'm so after sorry. that, I appreciate it, man. It was rough. Yeah, and scary. um after that My wife had told me She's like, listen I don't know if I'm going to be able To bounce back from this Um, What what
0: did you have to do With what happened?
2: Well, I would say Her falling Could have happened With anybody being out there Um, The problem was Is that with my drinking too much I was Letting things go around the house Becoming disconnected With my wife and my kids Um, And even my job During the week When I didn't drink Was starting to suffer some So um, I put the blame on myself as far as not fixing the railing, um, putting it on the back burner. Um,
0: but something else, so, I- hold on. Something else happened that that was a final straw for your wife. Were, were you not paying attention out there? Were you goofing no, off? No, I
2: was, but I, I had had two beers at that point. And before we took my daughter to the emergency room, I told my wife I had not had any. And of course, all she's got to do is look in the trash can and see two beer cans. and. um That was what triggered her, um, her reaction more so than anything else. And, um, can I be honest with you, hold
0: on, hold on. Can I be honest with you, man? Something's not adding up to me.
2: Yes,
0: sir. If, if, if you and I are going to talk, you're gonna have to be a hundred percent open.
2: Well, no. And like I said, I, I just wasn't honest with her about when and how much I was drinking.
0: Yeah. But two beers is not, Hey, we're done.
2: Well, I think it was more the fact that I lied to her and told her I hadn't been drinking than the amount that I had been drinking. Um, and the, the fact that it had happened on more than one occasion.
0: That you'd had two beers?
2: No, no, no. I mean, normally I would drink more than that. But I'm saying at the point when this happened, it wasn't that I had been drinking necessarily. It was I lied about the fact that I had been drinking. Okay.
0: So, I, I, I'm struggling with it, but go ahead. Continue. So she well, said, after, I, I can't come back from this.
2: She said that at that time. So, um, I put forth a good bit of effort. I completely stopped drinking, um, really worked on being emotionally there for my kids and my wife and not just physically there. Started exercising again, losing some weight, all the, all the, you know, good things that come along with lifestyle changes. Um, went on a family vacation, had a really good time, skip ahead to Labor Day, um, I was kind of having an off weekend. We went out on a date Saturday. I wasn't really communicating with her. Um, I was supposed to get the girls ready for church on Sunday. I didn't have them ready when it was time to leave. I could tell something was off with my wife. Um, That night she actually told me that she was kind of trying to make herself fall back in love with me, but it hadn't happened. Um, She just couldn't let go of the things that had happened. And at that point, she said she thought it would be best if I found an apartment.
0: So so be super clear with me, man. You, your daughter had an accident that you had two, two beers by any stretch of the imagination. You were close to intoxicated. Right. She fell out and got hurt. Yes. From that moment, your wife said, I don't think we're going to be able to come back from this. Now, you didn't tell your wife the truth about two beers. What were you doing those other times you were drunk? Because you... The, here, here's the deal. You're you're speaking very evasively, mm-hmm. and you're speaking very distant from. You know, I would I had a beer, and then like you know, like maybe I wasn't. Your wife is preferring to be a single mom with two kids than be with you.
2: Well, so- the problem was is that say for example, we get the kids ready for bed, put them in their bath, get them ready for bed and everything. I had already been drinking. So she felt like it wasn't safe to have the kids around me. And I didn't do anything violent. I wasn't abusive. I didn't black out or pass out or anything. I just basically drank more than I should have. So
0: you didn't hit anybody. You didn't cheat on your wife. You didn't swear at anybody. No. Your wife just said, I'm out.
2: Well, things got better for a while until... Like I said, the Labor Day weekend, which is when she made that decision about, I think it'd be better if you got an apartment. And what was her reasoning behind that? She didn't trust me anymore. Um, she didn't feel secure with me. Um, she wasn't in love with me anymore. Um, and to be honest, two weeks after that, when I had an apartment and I was getting ready to move out, we listened to a snippet from one of your shows that was kind of in the same vein as what I'm going through right now. And after we listened to it, she said, I don't want you to move out, but if you want this to work, I need these things to happen. And basically, it was me being more involved in the finances, me continuing to um, improve my relationship with her and the girls. Um But unfortunately, after a couple more weeks, things hadn't really gotten any better. And the decision was made again for me to just find an apartment. And that's where we're at right now.
0: Okay. Have y'all gone to get sit down with a professional?
2: Yes, we're going to couples counseling, and I'm also going individually.
0: Have y'all already started that, or are you going to go?
2: We already started the couples. Last week was my first week that I met with my therapist.
0: Okay. And is anything... coming up in couples counseling that is is an aha moment for the both of you?
2: No. um, I mean, she said some things that were kind of an aha to me, but nothing that myself or the therapist is saying have really triggered anything for her. She says that nothing's changed as far as her feelings, and she basically said there's nothing I can do, which, of course, there are things I could do to make the situation worse. But as far as helping her get past what she's holding on to, there's nothing I can do.
0: So there's a missing piece here, um, and I've just had this conversation too too often. It, one of two things is true: either your wife has been looking for an exit strategy for a season now, <clears throat> and or slowly got so far away from you that she feels that she can't come back. That's number one, or number two, you are using language in anybody who's hung out with people who struggle with alcohol addiction would recognize your language the way you're talking to me that you aren't fully being upfront with everything. And I don't know what that means. I don't know what that, what that is, but there's either, she's got some really significant challenges or, um, you're not, you're not being, that if I were to talk to her, I'd get a radically, a very different picture of you than what I'm getting right now.
2: I would say if you talk to her, she would probably, I would say it's the, the, first scenario. The distance was created by my dishonesty, basically.
0: Because you lied one time about having two beers?
2: No, I lied. That's what I'm saying is I was dishonest multiple times about how much I had drank. That one particular instance was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back.
0: Okay. Well, here's my rule for moving out to try to get some space to see if we're going to save this thing. Mm -hmm. Is... Number one, there has to be a specific time frame. Okay. And I usually don't, wouldn't, I would never recommend uh, uh, unless there's physical abuse that it's over 30 days. So I'm out for 30 days and we have some agreed touch points. We will talk. I will pick the girls up. We will, we have to negotiate these rules out, uh, ahead of time. Otherwise it's going to build resentment, frustration anger, rage, it's going to be a false set of, a false piece. So be very clear on the front. And this isn't just you out so that, ah, it's not how that works. In 30 days, we're going to get back together and have a conversation. I strongly recommend you'll have a a marriage counselor that y'all work through this thing together. And then I would ask her for a specific items, not of things you got to work on. Because what you're going to do, like any good person recovering from addiction, is you're going to make her falling back in love with you your new addiction. Mm -hmm. And you're going to do a bunch of things to try to make her happy. And that's not the point. What you want to do is say, what are the things I need to do that can help you feel safe? And then I'm going to challenge you, man, to go to AA for a season. Go to your counseling stuff, but go to a meeting every day. Because I think you're going to find out about yourself. All right. You can't lose weight for her. You can't just stop drinking for her because you're gonna find alternative things to keep that distance from her. And it's gonna. It, it, she, you see what I'm saying? She thinks in her mind, if he'll just quit doing X, then I'll be okay. And you quit doing X, and she's realizing I still don't feel that same way. And you. Uh, here's the final thing. Y'all can't go back. What what was is over. And you'll have to decide, are we going to build something new?
2: Right. Do you- and I've laid that out to her. I said, I'm I'm totally in with rebuilding it with you, and she's just not in that place right now. Okay.
0: Well, um, I think it sounds like you're going willingly, right?
2: I mean, I don't want to do anything else that's going to possibly expedite us getting a divorce or anything. So okay. Um, I, I'm just trying to do what I need to do to hopefully get things going in the right direction. All
0: right. I want you to um, Google. It's Terry real T E R R Y R E A L Terry real. I think it's the 10 rules of a, of a separation. Okay. I want y'all to use that as a guidepost and I want you to bring your counselor in on it also. And that's going to set the stage for this 30 day thing to, we're going to take a break from each other. I'm gonna start getting myself well because I'm worth being well. She is going to let some of the smoke clear from her anger, from her rage, from her not feeling safe inside her own house, and begin to write it. Like here's where we're headed. Here's what I here's what I need to feel safe. Y'all gonna have some regular touch points. You're gonna be upfront and adults about with the kids, and then in 30 days, y'all gonna circle back. And that 30 day meeting might be in a counselor's office. I can't recommend this enough that at that 30-day meeting you each write each other a letter and read it to each other otherwise it's it's either going to be a a blubbery mess or a you're going to forget stuff but have a letter at the end of that 30-day period that you can hold and read and hand to that person when when you're done and um and vice versa she's got to have one for you and maybe it's i need another 30 days i need 15 more days or I'm not coming back, I'm going to file for divorce and I want to do this amicably or I'm ready to build something completely new with you. But I'm going to be super, super honest. Something in the way you're talking to me says you're not done yet. And that's, if there's one place where people will hold you accountable, it's in AA. And I would love for you to go to a meeting. And it may just be that you have two little daughters and you have run out of tools. I don't know how to love in my house i don't know how to be a dad to two little girls i've got to get some more tools and so just creating space and distance which is what alcohol gives you which is what dishonesty gives you which is what netflix gives you just creating that space so you don't do something wrong ends up poisoning the whole house maybe that's what it is and you need to learn some parenting skills etc but you got to repair your relationship with your wife or she's going to have to call it like she is kind of circle in the wagons it's just, and it feels like it's headed that way um terryreal.com, pull out that that checklist and go down that road and then holler back at me after 30 days I man I'd love to see where you're where you're going what you're doing if you want to read your letter to her um, I would love that but I don't want you creating a 30-day writing a 30-day screenplay so you can Act as though you're the person she needs. I want you to begin to get well from you. At the end of the day, that's the only person you can take care of and control. We'll be right back. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Be honest. How often do you find yourself pausing in the middle of a day and it feels like there is so much going on and you find yourself wondering, what would I do with just a spare hour or 30 minutes? Can you even imagine And it's in these moments that we often realize we're living someone else's life. Everyone else's schedules, priorities, and emergencies are driving our lives, and we can't keep carrying this load for everyone and everything. And it's in these moments when it feels like too much or when you need some help parsing through all the chaos that talking to a professional therapist can be a game changer. Therapy can be a place to work through the challenges you have with boundaries, time, commitments, and your own self-worth. And that can be in relationships with your friends, people at work, your significant other, or even how you can make and keep commitments with yourself. Therapy can be amazing for figuring out what even makes you happy anymore and how to go make it happen. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, try BetterHelp because therapy isn't just for people who've experienced trauma. It's great for building skills so you can be the best version of yourself. BetterHelp is completely online, so it's flexible enough to fit your schedule. Just fill out a short questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no extra cost. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Deloney today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Deloney. All right, let's go out to Lancaster, Pennsylvania, and talk to the incredible Lily. What's up, Lily?
1: Hey, Dr. John. How are you doing? I
0: could not be better. Couldn't be better. What's up?
1: Um, So I'm just going to read you my original submission, if that's all right. Perfect. Um Just for backstory, uh, my fiance and I got engaged back in May of this year. Um, you know, he had the blessing conversation, went really well. Um, and then about two months after we got engaged, my parents sat me down and told me they were essentially taking back the blessing and rattled off to me an extensive list of character flaws and red flags that they saw in my fiance and our relationship. And Whoa, ever since then. You
0: can't triple stamp yeah, with double stamp.
1: Yeah, it was it definitely caught me very off guard. Um it was <laughs> very, very devastating to me. But um ever since then I've kind of been struggling with a lot of relationship anxiety and just kind of general anxiety and almost like depressive moods.
0: Of course. Um, of course. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that, so, so Lily, your body's working perfectly.
1: Okay. as it now. should.
0: Yeah. Good grief. There's no take backs. No Quincy's on this one. Why? like, wh- Read me the list. I wanted, I would love to know what they just decided over two months that he was so terrible.
1: Yeah. Um, so it's, it's a lot. Uh, they called him lazy, irresponsible, oh, uh, immature. Yeah. They thought that he had been mooching off of me and kind of manipulating me and rushing me into things that I wasn't ready for, didn't want to do. Um, they didn't really like his career choice. Um, what is? Um,
0: they don't. They don't get a vote about that. What's his career choice?
1: So he, it's a little bit more on the unconventional side. Um, he, <laughs> he
0: is he a magician? He like does. He is. Ah! How did you know? I just made that up. I promise. You're I just, joking. No, I just made that up, dude. <laughs> no, he's
1: so he's a magician and a juggler, but he works in ministry. So he tours to churches. All
0: oh, over the, the Jesus juggler. Yeah, I mean. Oh my
1: gosh. He's going to use that now. He is going to use that No, I mean,
0: I would probably sit my daughter down and be like, hey, listen, listen. Um, (laughs) Oh, geez. Okay, so how long have y'all been together?
1: We've been together close to two years now.
0: I'm not going to lie. I'm amazing at this job. Can we just say that out loud? (laughs) Jesus juggler, magician. All right, so, all right, take that back. I'm not that amazing. So um, here's a couple of things. Um oh jeez I don't know how to get into this. <laughs> um let me just say it like this. Number 1, they don't get a vote. Um I think with all of my heart they love you. Yeah. And they would not be pulling the rip cord like they have if they didn't. Um I also think that people who love us and think they have our best interest at heart often um insert themselves as a last-minute, last-ditch effort. Like a truck is coming right at you. I'm going to scream and yell and shove you out of the way. And you may bang your head on the concrete, but you didn't get hit by a truck. And I feel like that's what they're doing right here, okay? Yeah. Um. And I am very skeptical, very skeptical of unsolicited advice where somebody else the person giving the advice does not have any skin in the game. Okay. Yeah. what I mean by that is they do have skin in the game. Like it's going to affect their Thanksgiving or their precious little daughter, but their unsolicited advice implodes your life, not theirs.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: Okay. And so I'm always skeptical of that. If you had sat down and said, Hey, I'm feeling uncomfortable. Can I ask y'all some just hard questions about marriage and dating and getting together? And then like people call my show, I, I, I got skin in the game. If I keep giving wrong answers, people are going to quit listening to the show and I'm, I'm going to have to get another job, right? Yeah. So my question to you is, is any of the stuff they said, does any of it ring true? Has any of this stuff had a, a friend of yours, while well, y'all are just having a drink or having off coffee, mentioned something similar along these lines?
1: Honestly, no, I haven't had anyone else in my life really express these concerns about my relationship with him or just him in general. Okay. Uh, for the most part, everyone's reacted really positively to him being around and, you know, our relationship. Um, I'm not going to lie. There's been some things that I feel like I've almost been extra critical of since that conversation, Mm -hmm. just kind of in light of it. And I don't, that's where I kind of struggle with whether I'm trusting myself and my intuition and trusting my parents, or if I'm just looking really deeply into things that don't need to be looked really deeply into. And they're just kind of like, give me an example. I mean, I think the biggest thing that kind of rang true with them is I struggle with his immaturity sometimes. And he is very emotionally mature. I would say even more emotionally mature than me in a lot of cases, um, but just kind of his, like, sense of humor. Sometimes he's not very socially aware. Um, and I kind of equate that to being a little bit more on the immature side. I so don't have any they- experience
0: with that at all. Not even a little bit. Or maybe one yeah. day, like me, he'll make a living doing that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Once he moves away from Jesus juggling, then he'll do
0: Yeah. <laughs> and let's be honest. If he's still doing Jesus juggling when he's when he's in his 40s, then, I mean, maybe. But here's the thing. Um <sighs> I, I guess maturity's probably on a spectrum i made a joke the other day at the dinner table and my 13 year old looked at me and was like dad when are you gonna grow up right so i mean <laughs> part of me is like yeah but also there's a there's there is a social awareness to that right and then there's there's a yeah. time and a place and in my house at my table with my 13 year old i can make jokes that i'm not gonna make out in public or whatever but he is a mus a mu- i mean a, a magician and a juggler <laughs> so I would hope he's got like a sense of humor that would match that. But Oh, absolutely.
1: Yeah. <laughs> here's what but. I would,
0: here's what I would do. I, I is is there one or two things that are sitting heavy on your soul? If he thinks fart jokes are funny and butt crack jokes are funny, they, I mean it that can be as simple as, Hey, there's a time and place and this isn't funny here. Yeah. And if he goes, Hey, you know what? Forget you. You you this is who I am, then your parents are right. Run from that guy. Yeah. But if he goes, I know, dude, I need to like just work on time and place, you're right. Then he sounds a lot like a guy I know named John and he could probably (laughs) come a long way. You know, fair enough?
1: Yeah, and he definitely he definitely is the latter. Like, yeah, he's just been he's honestly been an awesome partner for me and I I kinda feel bad going through all of this anxiety with him. He supported me so much through it and really fostered my growth through it, which has been amazing. Mm Um, And I just feel bad that I have all of this relationship anxiety about a person who I know is very good for me and a very healthy partner.
0: Don't feel Um, bad about it. Your parents said, if you select him, you are unselecting us. We are opting out of relationship with you if you choose this. Yeah. That's not something to shy away from. You need to head directly into that. Because that's a very real thing. I'm not somebody who just is like, screw them. Dismiss what they said. No, they love you. I don't believe they would have done this in, unless you tell me, no, they've got a history of being super overbearing and overprotective and overdramatic my whole life. Is that true?
1: Um, I would say to an extent, they're also just very, very critical people. And I would say okay. leaning towards judgmental people. And okay. I kind of feel like sometimes I have that perspective on people and their slip ups and ways of course that's
0: that's the that's the air you've been breathing for your whole life
1: yeah and that's yeah i just always try and explain to my fiance like that also comes from a place where i'm very critical of myself Mm -hmm. and so as hard as i am on him sometimes i'm just as hard if not more hard on myself
0: sure well i don't think so let me put it over on one side. You can get married and be in love and have a great time. That's over here. Number two is, hey, if you're going to be Jesus juggler, if you're going to travel around churches doing magic shows, I want to see a business plan. Yeah. Because I'm about to hitch my entire life to you. And if your business plan is um, you just sitting at home waiting for churches to book you, or, for clubs to book you or birthday parties to book you, that's not good, yeah, I love you. I'll still marry you, but we're not i'm not I'm not signing up for this definitely if he says no, 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 I have a very clear plan. I make this many calls a day, I send out this many press kits a day um I also I only want to be doing big theaters or I only want to be doing big churches for X dollars, but I also know that I got to pay bills. So I'll do birthday parties and all that kind of stuff on the side, even though it's not glamorous. Great. That's somebody who's out hustling. And will he be doing this in 10 or 15 years? Probably not. But the experience of hustling, the experience of walking into God knows however many different situations and learning how to read a room and learning how to be kind and open to people, learning how to deal with business That's why I'm where I'm at right now because of those skills. Yeah. And so I I wouldn't, those skills help me run, be the chief student affairs officer at a university. I mean, those those skills are helpful anywhere you go. And so um, I don't have any problem with him trying to make a living as a magician. I'm worried if you think he's going to be 36 and still trying to eke it out, but that's you guys sitting down and being honest about the business plan of this whole thing. Yeah. Right?
1: Yeah, and we've definitely, yeah, we've done that. And I completely trust him. I've seen him put in the hard work and get, I mean, this was his first year going full-time with his own business. And it's been more successful than either of us anticipated because he's really just, he's worked really, really hard at it.
0: What does success Um, mean? How much money will he make this calendar year?
1: This calendar year, he'll make $50,000.
0: Yeah, that means he's hustling. Good for him. Yeah. Do your parents yeah, know that?
1: Um, I've tried to talk to them about it. Okay. Um, they've expressed concern a couple times, not seriously, but they've just kind of asked about it. Um, and I always have tried to explain to them how much I see him work on a day-to-day basis, the way that he really <laughs> he doesn't really take many breaks. Um. Hey,
0: how, how much? How much of this? Is your parents don't want to tell their friends at the country club that when they say, well, what does he do? And um, they say he's a magician. How much of this is just protecting their own fragile little identities? Because now I'm starting to get mad at them. I was on their side <laughs> when this call first started, but now I'm starting to turn on, on your parents.
1: Yeah, I I think in retrospective, as I've moved further away from the conversation, I've kind of started to feel that way too. Okay. Um. I I think it's probably a little bit of that, a little bit of an appearance thing. I think they're also afraid that we're just going to struggle financially, and they've always just wanted me to be comfortable and well taken care of in that way. That's something that they really prioritize. Mm-hmm. So, it's, Are you I think two? it kind of works twofold. Yes, I am working. What do you do? Um, It's kind of a bunch of different things. Uh, I'm event coordinator for one business. Um, I'm a saleswoman for another business. It's just kind of like a lot of little what you, jobs.
0: What will, you, what will your tax return say you made this year?
1: Um, I believe it'll be around $45,000. Okay.
0: So you'll almost have a six figure household.
1: Yeah, at this point.
0: I mean, this first year out. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Here's what I would do. If I were, it, this is, This is just me. Here's what I would do. I would sit down with two of my friends that I trust. I'd call two buddies. I would say, I need to go meet with y'all for coffee or meet with y'all for a drink. And here's what just happened. Mom and dad said this, 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 and this. And um, it kind of rattled me because they withdrew their blessing. And I'm asking you all, Am I crazy or are they crazy? And I'm please, please, please tell me the truth. Yeah. And have them speak openly into your life. And if they say, I don't see that at all. Like, yeah, he's a he's like a professional juggler. And that's not normal, but <laughs> no, he loves you and takes care of you and shows up. I wish he hadn't made those, you know, jokes about bras at the funeral, but yeah i I, I give them an opportunity to speak into it okay yeah and so that's just friends speaking into it the second thing is is you're gonna have to come up with some sort of circle back with your parents
1: exactly that's my biggest concern right now
0: hey here's the deal they have drawn their boundary if you're into this we are withdrawing from you and i think you can circle up and say hey i've thought about what she said And based on this conversation, let's just assume your friends say, no, your mom and dad are nuts. They always have been. Um, We've watched them just beat you down for all these years. Um, Or, no, they're actually right. This isn't good. Um, Yeah. Then circle back with your parents and say, hey, uh, I got some additional wisdom, some additional whatever. This wedding is happening on this day. And if you choose to not be in a relationship with me because of that, that's a choice y'all are making. Y'all are grown ups. Y'all get to make that. I want y'all to know that it will break my heart. But um, I respect your decision as adults. And I wish y'all the best. And then you got to go make some grown up decisions because that's probably going to come with some money that they're going to put towards the wedding. It's probably going to come with all sorts of hooks and strings and your integrity and your relationships aren't worth that. However heavy it feels right now.
1: Yeah.
0: You know what I'm you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: But don't cash out your integrity and your relationship for a fancy wedding.
1: Yeah. No, that, it's definitely definitely
0: that's not a plan. That's gross. Yeah. Yeah. And also don't just throw away wisdom from two people who love you, however misguided it might be, double check it with somebody else. Yeah. Why does that make you nervous?
1: It honestly, it really doesn't. And I actually have in the aftermath of it, I have done that with a couple people that I really trust. Mm -hmm. And those are the people that are telling me that they don't see what my parents see. And they don't, they're honestly, they're almost as blindsided as I am by my parents' reaction. Cool. Um, so yeah, I've all, honestly already kind of gotten that confirmation from other people that i trust Mm -hmm. um and now i'm just i'm just wondering how to come to my parents and have that conversation because i can't as direct as possible okay how old are you i'm 24
0: yeah it's grown-up time
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) it really
0: is there is no way to leave this conversation feeling good There is a way to leave this conversation feeling gross. And there's a way to leave this conversation feeling empowered. But you will not feel good. Yeah. And I think taking that off the table. I want you to say what you have to say truthfully and with dignity and respect. Don't go in there bombing them like they bombed you because then you become them. Yeah. Right? But be honest. I'm marrying him. I've checked in with some other people that I hold in, with high value. And I actually feel in my guts that y'all are embarrassed to tell your friends that your daughter married a magician. And I hate that, but y'all made that choice. And y'all get to do that because you're grown ups. Yeah. But we're getting married on this day. I would love it if y'all were there. But y'all have made it clear they're not going to be. And so uh, my door is always open. And then that yeah. conversation's over. And here's the other thing. Most of those conversations in that kind of moment, when a, a basically a child is asserting their adulthood, okay, it's your mom and dad will go to fight or flight and protection for their little girl and their ego and their reputation and their "how dare you, you do what we say," all that crap. That's not the the conversation to unravel everything and talk through all of their points. Okay. There's a conversation. I need to say this, and it's going to take 15 minutes or 10 minutes, and then we can set up a time later to circle back and have the the more in-depth conversation. Sure. And maybe you write them a letter. Maybe you read the letter. Maybe you send it to them and say, Mom and Dad, I'm mailing you a letter that's kind of got things outlined, and then I'm, I'm, I would love to set up a time that we can have lunch or something um, or breakfast in the future and talk about it. But this isn't, we're not gonna do a two hour. He said, she said up and down, all around. oh my gosh, you're making the worst decision. We're not doing that this time. I'm gonna just say what I'm gonna say and then I'm going to move on. And then we'll circle back and have the harder conversation when all the smoke is cleared. Very similar to firing somebody. The day you tell somebody, the moment you tell somebody, I'm letting you go, you're fired. That is not the time to negotiate to go through everything and then this and then all that should have happened. And the moment somebody gets a hint that it's over, every defense mechanism they have, every fight or flight, every ego, every everything is on point. So you circle back and you say, I'll meet with you next week. I'll meet with you in 10 days. We'll set up a time and I'll, I'll hear it all. And they may come back furious and enraged as part of the grief cycle. They may come back at peace and say, dude, this is right. I'm sorry I acted this way. They may come back any number of ways. But at least some of the emotion has dialed down and they can begin to think through what next steps look like. And then we'll go from there. I hate it for you. I hate it if, you have, if you're with somebody and it's wrong. I hate it for you that your mom and dad said, we're so excited for you. And then they circle back and they, they withdrew and they put down a boundary that said him or us. I hate the whole thing. When you say, I do, that's a very grown-up decision. It's forever. And with grown-up decisions come grown-up consequences and grown-up responses. And this is exhibit A. I wish it wasn't the case. It's not how any of us would draw it up. We want mom and dad to ride or die with us. But your mom and dad have said, we draw a line right here. And now you get to make that same same choice, that same decision. Not going to feel good. You can feel gross. You can feel empowered and I hope you choose empowerment. We'll be right back. Here we are in the middle of Lent. Lent is one of the cornerstones of the Christian faith. It's a time of reflection, taking a hard look at our lives, prayer, fasting, and more. Lent is about finding meaning, purpose, discipline, finding connection with God, and finally, letting go of trying to control everything. If you've grown up in a Christian faith and you've heard about Lent, and this year you want to jump in with both feet, or if you're not a person of faith at all and you've always wondered what your coworkers are talking about during this season, my friends at Hallow have created the 40 Day Lent Prayer Challenge. I went through the Lent Reflection today on my own. It's already an extraordinary walk through 40 days of meditating and making changes in our lives. The 40-Day Challenge is about transformation, and Hallow has created a path with Lent-themed music, stories, prayers, and even some special things for your kids. I am personally going through the challenge, and I hope you'll join me and millions of others across the globe. Hallow is the number one prayer app in the world, and for listeners of the show, you get three free months of Hallow, all 10,000-plus prayers, meditations, music, and lecture series, and more, all of it by going to halocom slash Deloney. That's three free months of the app at hallo.com slash Deloney. All right, we're back. Hey, it's time for the next installment of the six daily choices series. These have spun up all over the internet, and I'm so grateful that you're watching these and listening and showing them. Today's choice is health and healing. This idea that, man, if your body's not well and whole, if you haven't dealt with that old trauma, if you haven't dealt with your metabolic challenges, your weight challenges, your movement challenges, your body's going to respond in all different kinds of ways, including this pervasive sense of anxiousness that something's not okay. And that's not popular to talk about. It's uncomfortable to talk about. Everybody skirts it and evades it. And it was one of those things that I felt like I was lying if I didn't talk about the importance of taking care, being a good steward of our bodies. Time is now. The statistics are against us, they're super clear. And we have everything food, water, shelter, resources. And yet we are sicker than we could possibly imagine. Nobody would have predicted this. So check this out. This is one of the six daily choices. Choose health or healing. Here we go. Please hear me on this. You can't outthink anxiety. You can't sit in a dark room and get all the right thoughts in the right order and neglect your body. So when I think back to when I was completely burned to the ground with anxiety, with burnout, with just chronic stress day after day after day. I had a whole bunch of graduate degrees. I was surrounded by some of the smartest minds in the world and I committed myself to solving anxiety. But all along the way, I completely neglected the vessel that was carrying me all over the place. I started skipping workouts. I started eating junk food and garbage. I stopped seeing a counselor because I didn't have time. I had these feelings about things that happened to me in the past, and I shoved them down because I had important intellectual work to do. And my body was sick. My body was overcome with past traumas. My body said, I quit. We're a culture that has information on everything. A blog post and a Wikipedia page and a YouTube channel for everything we can imagine. For most of us, our pain won't be solved with more intellect. Our pain is solved by sitting down and exhaling and to look at our one precious body and say, you're worth taking care of. So when I talk about healing, I'm often talking about dealing with past trauma. And we think of trauma like the big car wreck, right? The big plane crash, right? Those big before and after moments. And that is trauma. That's acute. But there's also other kinds of trauma, like secondary trauma. If you are a nurse, you're a social worker, you're a counselor. Every day people come to you and say, will you please help me? And so where an acute trauma might be like somebody dropping a cinder block in your backpack, cumulative trauma is the everyday. somebody comes and hands you a few pebbles and the next day a few pebbles the next day a few pebbles and over time the weight of that backpack is the exact same as the weight of somebody with a cinder block there's also collective trauma what happens when a whole country goes to war or when i don't know an illness sweeps across the globe right that's a collective trauma that we all experience together and then there's another kind of trauma that we don't talk about very often the trauma of neglect The things you should have got when you were a kid. You should have had a safe place to come home to from school. Dad should have chosen you over the bottle. Mom should have chosen you over the cell phone. And what happens is our body puts a GPS pin in those moments. And 25 years later, you get married. And you found the romantic partner of your dreams. And they get close to you, and your body says, whoa. We remember what happens when someone gets close. And it sounds the alarms that guy's not safe, she's going to hurt us too. How many of you feel two inches apart from someone, but 2,000 miles away from them? And healing from trauma is almost always about teaching your body, I know we weren't safe then. We got hurt badly back then, but we're going back in now. And we might get hurt again, because vulnerability is the only path to friendship and love and connection. But that's the path to healing from trauma. So when I talk about health, I'm talking about your physical body, honest. As a country, we're way overweight, our metabolic health is a mess, and there is no mental health without physical health. You can't build a home without first building a foundation. And a foundation to great mental and emotional health is having a healthy body. If you have chronic pain, if you're struggling with obesity, If your joints hurt, your neck hurts, your back hurts, it's almost impossible to have good mental and emotional health. Few things are more contentious than the nutrition religion wars that are upon us. I'm keto, well, I'm vegan, well, I'm carnivore, well, I'm rational and sensible. Enough. What you're gonna find is that for most people, most of the time, Hold your hats, just about any diet will do if you make some hard choices about consumption and movement. We've created a world for ourselves. We don't have to move very much. We take escalators up the stairs. We take escalators down. We fly in planes cross country almost overnight. We've withdrawn movement from the human experience. It's killing us. And so if you want to choose a non-anxious life, You have to choose movement. And like nutrition, I'm not gonna get into the workout wars. It can be a 20-mile run. It can be a walk to your mailbox and back. It can be a 10-minute weight room session in your garage. I don't care. You have to move. Most of us know the data. We should all be getting about seven to nine hours of sleep. And we also know that most of us think we're pretty hardcore and we're doing just fine on four, five, or six hours of sleep. For 99.9% of us, we're not. Our bodies aren't getting that deep wave restorative sleep. Our bodies aren't getting that deep REM sleep that takes out the garbage in our minds, that restores and heals our body and prepares us for the next day. And for many of us, sleep is hard. We have racing thoughts. We've got things to do. We've got kids running everywhere. And yet, if we don't prioritize sleep, everything else in our life will suffer. The less sleep you get, especially over time, the more anxious you're bound to feel. Being perfect, getting it all done, accomplishing health, accomplishing healing is a fool's errand. You'll never be all the way there. Wouldn't it be awesome if we could brush our teeth once a week? We could do it so good on Monday morning that we didn't have to brush our teeth for the rest of the week. That would be amazing. We can't. I gotta do it twice a day. Similarly, when you choose health and healing, you make that choice for the rest of your life. Some days it's harder. Some days it's easier. I showed up to this shoot today. These guys, they brought a box of donuts. I chose a donut, right? But it's part of a bigger picture this my life. Most of the time, Health and healing should be relatively simple. It's hard. It's a complete 180 from how most of us live our lives. But if you just think, am I being a good steward of what I'm putting in my body? Am I moving? Am I willing to sit down across from somebody and say, I got hurt bad and here's what happened. Very, very hard things, but simple things. And if you feel yourself complicated or if you feel yourself sitting with a professional and they're telling you this and this and this and this, maybe time to move on. Because the truest masterminds will tell you it's just three or four or five or six buckets over and over and over again. Just like brushing your teeth. Choosing health and healing is a choice you're going to make every day for the rest of your life. You're worth that choice. Hey, what's up, Deloney here. Listen, you and me and everybody else on the planet has felt anxious or burned out or chronically stressed at some point. In my new book, Building a Non-Anxious Life, you'll learn the six daily choices that you can make to get rid of your anxious feelings and be able to better respond to whatever life throws at you so you can build a more peaceful, non-anxious life. Get your copy today at johndeloney.com. All right, we're back as we wrap up today's show dude Nathan Nate dog, you had a great joke during the call about the daughter marrying the Jesus juggler and magician uh yeah, I had uh what, what did I say oh, I said that the guy is uh he should say to uh the parents I got a magic trick for you I'm gonna make your blessing disappear <laughs> <laughs> Good job, good job Nathan um that would have been awesome if his parents, if her parents had done that. Like, we give you our blessing. Hooray. Mwah. We're going to take that back. Here's why. <laughs> magic, magic, magic. And it disappeared. All right, as we wrap up today's show, it's actually not funny at all. I'm hurting for everybody on that one. <sighs> Song by a band? That's a body part that Kelly doesn't have. I realized I couldn't have said that any weirder. Sorry about that. Songs by the band Heart. It's called Magic Man and it goes like this. Cold late night so long ago when I was not so strong, you know, a pretty man came to me. I've never seen eyes so blue. You know, I could not run away. It seemed we'd seen each other in a dream. Seemed like he knew me. He looked right through me. Try to understand. I'm a magic man. (laughs) So good. Maybe that guy should just read these lyrics to his future in-laws, and they'd be like, oh, we missed it. Maybe that's the case. Love you guys. See you soon.